This week's podcast brought to you by Barf Tarvia. Uh, the kids' high school was shut down this week for uh, COVID and um, their distance learning. And uh, when this news came down, I walked out in the driveway and found our 10-year-old, whose name is Rose, playing with a ball in the driveway and singing to uh, Paul Simon, Goodbye to Rosie. Hope I don't get corona. <laughs> Me and Julio down by the schoolyard. We hope so too, kiddo. Sing says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. Road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Day 11,000 of COVID 19, the pandemic, this past week, and I was folding a mountain of laundry on our bed with. Uh, cable news on and a commercial came on for a big pharma i don't honestly don't remember what the name of the drug was or not even entirely sure what it was for but let's say it was something like blixtarvia <laughs> and it was if for people feeling a little down in the dumps and and i was reflecting as i was folding this laundry that i was feeling a little down in the dumps every day was the same and um and i was thinking as i had folded all of the clothes and left that was all the low-hanging fruit and left the worst of it for last, which is matching up socks. It's a big pile of socks for six people, trying to match them up. And a lot of our times our kids wear two left socks or two right socks, so you're trying to pair those socks together. The commercial said, you know, feeling blue, we all feel blue. Uh, and they showed a lady contemplating a mountain of socks. And... Uh, you know, when you just can't tackle that sock pile. And I looked, it was as if God were speaking direct, God or, or Pfizer or whoever made, made this drug were speaking directly to me. Did you think fi that, that God was speaking to you, telling you you needed to take, what, what did you name the drug? Blixtarvia. Blixtarvia. Did you think God was telling you, Steve, this is my way of telling you? Well, of course. I, I, I've always thought that if God were to speak to me, it would be it would be during daytime television, right? Probably through a big pharma ad, and he or she would be telling me that uh, it's going to be okay. There's a drug for that, right? And as I was again pawing through the sock pile, the commercial ended with, uh, you know, so you can get back on your feet and run through this field of daisies and forget about that sock pile. It didn't make me feel any better, but it did make me feel like I wasn't completely alone and I wasn't completely insane. Is it is it bad that when I hear this story, my first thought isn't, Steve was down in the dumps. My first thought was... Steve was folding socks? No. No, you do a good job folding laundry. My, my, first, my first thought was, he's really got his changes system of sorting. And... and and, and I'm going to focus on that first before I focus on your dumps. that that would be your first <laughs> No, isn't that terrible? No, that was my first thought. I, before you share this out, I should say, it's possible that God is Joe Namath, Tom <laughs> Selleck, or Mike Ditka urging me into a, a reverse mortgage or into uh, some no kind no longer of, Wilford Brimley. No longer Wilford Brimley. 
because like normally you do you have assumed the the role of doing almost all of the laundry folding um but you do usually, the washing i do the washing drying and the sorting and i do the sorting and which is it, and which i'm is, which is let's be honest it's it's like the opener in a baseball game you pitch the first inning possibly the first two innings i come mm. in for the the long middle relief no that's not true because before i don't just throw the clothes in the washing machine like often there's stains on the kids clothes that i have to treat before i just throw them in the washing machine and there's different things like if it's ink i have to use rubbing alcohol if it's a grass stain it's a little different there's a lot more work in involved than you'd think in the washing but anyway the sorting you and you like I don't understand at all how your mind works when it comes to this because when I have a pile of laundry or or a a, you know a bin of laundry I bring it in and I sort it on our bed and I have a pile for each person and so it's not like I make a sock pile like if I see one of our son's socks it goes into his pile if I see one of our daughter's socks it goes into her pile you and then after everything is sorted i fold it and then i or you fold it and then but but if i fold it i then like not it's not only like the kids pile of clothes like i put all of their stuff that's in their pants or shorts drawer together all their t-shirts together all their socks and underwear or whatever in together because then once the laundry gets to their room it's super easy to put away you just have this big pile you don't sort it you just start folding it and then after you fold it, you try to figure out where it can go so that you can put it with each kid's stuff. And then you also don't differentiate between the clothes. So a pile, say, that's going to be carried to our do- our oldest daughter's room will go like pant, shirt, sock, shirt, shirt, pant, pant, sock, shirt. So then there's even extra work to put it in the drawer once it gets in the kid's room. You, you're, the efficiency with which you fold, you sort fold, fold and make piles is is very much lacking but your your main priority is that i was feeling down on the dumps but well i and and what i was going to ask about that is like aren't we all just sort of we're not just we're not just in the dumps feeling in the dumps aren't we all just right now with covid19 the pandemic aren't we all just living in the dumps aren't we just in the dumps (laughs) like we gotta make a conscious effort every day to like pull ourselves up out of the dumps just to find like the earth's normal top sea layer to, to get to sea level. yes it's like we wake up in the dumps and we just gotta we gotta you know make a conscious effort to get out of the dumps and then live that day and i don't think we need blarf dexia is that what it's called well sure okay I don't, I, don't know, I think we just need to make that conscious effort i'm in the dumps today well, uh, every day we wake up in the dumps. Let's get out of the dumps today. <laughs> some people may need blarfdexia. I'm not denying that. <laughs> and uh, yes, uh, um, of course, of course. But I, I do think what I more than that. I think that Madison Avenue or the, this ad agency has figured out that most of the people watching at 1 p.m. are folding laundry and well, dreading and what, the sock And what channel? Because that may have uh, been it was, an it indicator probably, too. It was it was probably cable news or or uh, I don't know what else I could have been watching at 1 what, p.m. What is Johnny Carson on in the evening? Maybe like... It wasn't that. No, no, no. Oh, because that, that could have just been turned off and then you hadn't turned the television on yet, since then. So. Yeah. But, that's that's on like Geezer TV where every commercial is for a reverse mortgage where Tom Selleck says, a reverse mortgage isn't taking your home. Why are you going with the Wilford Brimley voice? Because he's for become, the Tom Selleck he's become impression. Magnum PI has become Brimley-esque. Well, you couldn't be in our room today 
sorting and folding because one of our children was in our room because our older two, our high schoolers, have gone virtual. Their learning has gone virtual um, just until uh, to get through the holidays, I think, or at least the Thanksgiving holiday. The plan is for them to go back to school early-ish December. Yeah. Um, Being proactive, they've had a total over the course of the last month, a total of three kids test positive. But when you do contact tracing, it involves a lot more kids, and including our freshman. Our, our daughter, who was a freshman, we got the call from the school principal this weekend that she apparently sat close enough to it, to one of the kids who had tested uh, COVID, who had tested positive, that she is part of the contact tracing program and has to quarantine for 14 days. So our poor uh, 14-year-old is... Uh, going to be in quarantine. I think, what, she has 10, 11 more days left. Um, of course, for- the, the, the key question with the quarantining, that the quarantines is, how can you tell right. that they're quarantining if they don't leave their room well, as a rule? And, and that was the funny thing is our our, uh, our youngest, our 10-year-old said, um, she let us know, she said, what if it was me who had to quarantine? She said, I, I don't know if I would be bored, but I would be lonely. Like, would I be, have to go and st- spend all day in my room? And it's a good question because the, the teens welcome that. They have no problem being in their room all day, learning um, from their room or hanging out in their room. But the poor little one, <laughs> what would she do? <laughs> one of us would have to just bite the bullet in quarantine with her, I think. A lot of teens, because our, our, our older daughter was coincidentally sick, not with COVID, um, and was in her room in what, what, for all intents and purposes, was quarantine, subsisting entirely on saltines, and is herself a teen. If we could have mixed oval teen in there. I'm trying to think of other teen suffixes and then coming up empty. You're looking at me like... Uh, no, because I'm trying to think of some as well. <laughs> So our kids, their work environment has changed. Um, you have been also kicked out of your office so that one, our other child can be working out of your office when she's in school. And my work environment has changed because I was preparing um, pretty heartily for um, a basketball game this weekend, going to Mohegan Sun, into the bubble environment to call um, if the the higher ranked teams won their first games in the tournament. I was going to be calling number six ranked Mississippi State versus second or third ranked UConn on Sunday. I was going to take my take a, a home um, COVID test on, I think, tomorrow on Wednesday. On Saturday, I was going to drive to the Mohegan, get tested, quarantine for the rest of the day so that I'd be ready to call this game on Sunday. So I've been doing my game prep. Um, getting ready for that. And then the following Friday, I was going to be back at the the casino um, at the Mohegan Sun in their bubble environment again. Same procedure, taking my test, getting there a day early, quarantining to call the game Louisville against UConn. (laughs) Well, last night um, we got the news that the UConn women's basketball program was shutting down for two weeks because of a COVID positive somewhere within the program. And therefore, they would not be playing this Sunday at the Mohegan Sun, and they won't be playing at the Mohegan Sun the following Friday against Louisville. So right now, I think I'm still calling a game on Sunday. I just have no idea who's playing in it. And the following Friday, I think I'm calling a game um, that Louisville will be playing somebody, I think. Um, But when you get ready to call these basketball games, generally you prepare (laughs) 
and you learn a lot about a team that you don't already know. I'll probably go back and watch some games from last year or, or some of the teams will have played this year. But it's much, much harder to do that when you don't know who's playing. <laughs> so um, we'll see what happens. Uh, the the college basketball world has been rocked. Um, at, you know, for people who have been paying attention, like every single day, there's tons of men's and women's games that are getting canceled because um, somebody on one of the teams has tested positive. I think just yesterday, 14 games were canceled, 14 games that were scheduled to be played on ESPN. Not that they were supposed to be played yesterday, but that at some point in the near future were supposed to be played, 14 games were canceled. And so I guess then people in the programming department try to come up, like be, play matchmaker and um, get two teams to maybe play one another that we could put on TV or they take a game that was not already going to be on TV and try to put it on TV. I don't know how, how that all works, but, um, but, and I, I completely understand that the relative um, lack of importance of, of any of this, but um, it certainly is, uh, is changing things in, in terms of us in covering college basketball. And didn't the Louisville women's coach Jeff Walls tweet yesterday that their opponent, Middle Tennessee State, fell through, and if anybody wants to play us, DM me? Yes. Much in the way that you have to scramble to find an opponent for your fifth-grade travel team if, if a game falls through? Yeah, it's exactly it's exactly like that. He actually ended up finding an opponent, I believe a school in Missouri. Um, Louisville is now going to play them. A tavern in St. Louis? <laughs> yeah. And that is exactly how when I, at the beginning of a, a youth basketball season, um, if I'm trying to get extra games for my teams, you know, you just send out these emails. Is anybody free on this Sunday to play at 6 p.m.? I have a gym. Wouldn't you love to and, see uh, the other responses too, Jeff oh, Walls? Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Well, at least he, on his, he said, you know, are willing to travel. Yeah. You know, We have insurance. To come to you. Yeah, right. Right. No, exactly right. And it's funny, too, because um, the bubble environment that I was talking about at the Mohegan Sun, I think the rules for that one, I believe, um, not 100% certain, but I believe that you either have to um, take a bus there if you're local or you have to charter that you can't play in that tournament if you fly in commercially. So, of course, that's a huge investment. That's a lot of money. Um, Say a team says, yeah, we'll, we'll come in and we'll play. And then they fly in and then a game is canceled. So you don't even get to play a game. And that kind of, you know, thirty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000, whatever, it, it all of a sudden is now gone from your your budget for that season. So, um, again, I understand the insignificance of all of this, but it's uh, it's still pretty interesting to watch all this kind of unfold, especially like on social media you were talking about yesterday with, uh, with the tweet from Jeff. And in, in keeping with the spirit of, of youth basketball, that is sort of the ethos of this college basketball season, if a team does travel to Louisville, will Louisville have to leave like a, a metal chair right. leap inside the door to wedge the door open at the KFC Yum Center yeah. uh, so the team can get in, pull right. around back by the loading dock, we'll leave a chair, somebody will be there to, to take your temperature as you come in? And even better, there'll be like a one of those big metal crates full of basketballs, but it'll be locked. So you won't be able to use it. So you better bring your own balls and just gaze at the ones that are in the cage that are only available to the home team. Exactly. And before people write in to chastise me for not knowing any other een suffixes for, for food products. Yes. We mentioned Ovaltine and Saltines. What has been a, a, a bedrock theme of this show, at least in the early days, 
Poutine. Ah, of course. Poutine. Not a brand name, but nevertheless. And dentine. Remember dentine? Gum. The gum, yeah. That's yeah, you have to remember it. I think they still have dentine, I'm sure don't they? I'm sure they do, but the commercials aren't as uh, ubiquitous as they was were. Was that the gum that was for dentures? Or is it just regular gum? There was a gum that was for dentures? Wasn't there? That like you could chew even if you had dentures? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm, and what's the stuff? What's the stuff that I, used I to remember? I remember. I mean, I remember the, the Polydent commercials where they would soak in the yeah, fizzy water. I was just going to say, what was the stuff that you would, and, then, and, and they'd show the person dropping their teeth in the cup full yeah, yeah, of water? Yeah, yeah, That was that, and and, and that was Polydent. That was uh, that was uh, yeah, right, Polydent. I and, think so. Yeah, and there was also Dentu cream, and there was Topol. Does anybody remember Topol, the smoker's tooth polish? Do you remember that? Yes, that's right. I do. The smoker's tooth polish. Topol. The smoker's tooth polish. Okay, and dentine is not for dentures. It's just of course regular it's not. Gum. I but but <laughs> I, I wish if we take if we took sponsorship for this for this podcast, which we've we've not done, it would be nice if we could get if we could get uh, ads for defunct products from the seventies because I don't think Topol, the smoker's tooth polish, is still around. Can um can I just throw in there that Freedent, Freedent is a gum for people with dentures. You remember Freedent? I remember Freed. I remember both the 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 uh, denture gum and the hit song by George Michael. <laughs> Well, our dogs were barking to get out the other day, so I let them out, and I then saw why they wanted to get out because um. A neighbor kid was walking by, and they loved to greet the neighbors. So the dogs ran out there, and I went out there to say hello to the neighbors. And the little girl, how old is she? I'd say she's not five. Yeah, maybe five. She's she's little. She said um, that I heard one of your dogs, or is it true one of your dogs? She made it clear that, that she was privy to some rumor is it true that one of your dogs has a robot eye? <laughs> and I laughed and said, one of our dogs looks like she has a robot eye. She has one brown eye. And one blue one eye. One sort of icy blue eye that yeah. looks, once she said that, that's exactly what it looks like, like she has a robot eye. And I said, yeah, this is this one over here. I brought her over. And can I pet her? Yes. Oh, she does have a robot eye. And so when I passed her on the street a couple of days ago, I said, oh, it's too bad that our dog's not out. Um, the one that uh, looks like she has a robot eye, to which she said, it's because she does have a robot eye. <laughs> so now I think of her as our dog as a robo-dog or, or robot eye, which, which is the missing, it's sort of the canine uh, James Bond missing movie in the in the Bond franchise, robot eye. <laughs> I am, um, and that's what I've gotten to calling her a lot, like, come here, my little robot eye. And um, how perfect is that? Like, it takes a kid that age to just describe our dog's look absolutely perfectly. That's exactly and, what and, she and looks like. And possibly some, you know, sort of mythic story having gone around. I know. And what do you think her older brother, like what what, what has he constructed in her brain? Because I'm assuming he's the one who said to his sister, like, she's got a robot eye or whatever. But it's and, very much Steve Austin, the $6 million man's bionic eye. Yeah. That's kind of what it looks but like. But like, do you think, do you think there are like kids that go by and are terrified of this dog that looks like she has a robot eye or or is this something like from childhood that these this kids will always she was remember and, and wanted to 
but like do you it. think you know when these guys get older they, remember remember the neighbors oh yeah, yeah oh yeah they had the dog with the robot eye of course that's what it's what it's going to be for them when they're older <laughs> oh we've uh forgotten that how how could we have forgotten that that this week is the thanksgiving themed show right um, happy thanksgiving, happy thanksgiving. To all. we are not we're neither going over the woods nor through the hill or what do we do? you go over the river we're neither going over the river nor through the woods to grandmother's house nor is anybody I mean, we might here. be going over the river and through the woods but just to turn right back and come home yes. where we're not we're not seeing anybody nobody's seeing us my sister we t- typically get together with my sister and my brother and my dad and their families and uh we all live within 35 minutes of one another um but this year we're not because we are trying to keep everyone safe in particular my father who is turning 79 this year um so and i and we typically host we typically have everybody over here and um and i make the turkey and the stuffing and the mashed potatoes and a pie and then everybody else brings something like somebody brings my dad's always good to bring the wine and the rolls because he can those are two things he can handle you make the turkey but our brother-in-law generally brings the turkey usually some 16 18 pound Oh, no, it's usually about a 20-pound 20 pound. 20 pound bird, as my mom would say, because so, he would get it from like yeah. the coupon from work so or whatever. So what, what, what are we doing instead of that? Are well, we doing turkey sandwiches? Are we doing Well, a, that's uh, the thing is because like, I normally tetrazine. make the, those things, and then everybody brings a side, and, and so we end up with this nice big spread. Well, this year, so I, I first of all, yesterday I went to the grocery store. It was packed. They had a ton of huge turkeys and zero... Like, I was just looking for a turkey breast. Zero, nothing. It was only these giant turkeys. That would have been fine in previous years, but not this year. So I went to a different grocery store today, and the butcher came out and just saw me, like, looking very confused because I was looking very confused. And he pointed out to me where, he's like, nope, right here he had, there were some just the turkey breasts. And he said, and if they're not the right size, I can, you know, get a different one for you from out back, whatever. So I was able to get the turkey breast. So I'm, I think we're going to still have turkey and stuffing and potatoes and a salad. Um, but like, why make much more than that? We're going to barely be able to get through that. It's just the six of us. Um, it, it's hard to scale down Thanksgiving. Like I was able to get the smaller turkey, but like... Yeah, they might sit at the table for, for half an hour oh, if right. their cousins are there and stuff. But when it's just the six of us... Usually the elapsed time from from the first forkful to the first kid saying, may I be excused, is what, three minutes? Yeah. Four and, minutes? And like mashed potatoes aren't hard. They're not all that time consuming. But the like the reward is worth the time you put into it when you're making, like if you're going to be peeling potatoes, all right, I'll peel 20 potatoes and then boil them and make the mashed potatoes. I got like five potatoes. <laughs> like what? I'm making, I would, I would not typically make mashed potatoes. Just like five You wouldn't make a single or, mashed potato. Right, mashing if, a single exactly. potato. And you wouldn't like, and I wouldn't typically make stuffing for, you know, two adults and four kids, but I can't, we can't not do it. It's Thanksgiving. So, but it's going to be pretty much the same amount of effort for a lot, lot less food. On a, and on, it's just, it's just weird. On a non-Thanksgiving dinner, when you make a home-cooked sit-down entree and a couple of sides what would you say the the prep cooking preparation all of that time the time that goes into making the meal buying the ingredients and all that um, the ratio of that to the elapsed time for uh, the kids eating it 
Would it, was it would it be a, a oh. twenty to one ratio in, yes, in terms of minutes? at least because you have to you have to do the 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 brain the time it took for you to figure out what you were gonna what you wanted to have and then put those ingredients on the grocery list and go to the grocery and then bring it home and then then cook it all oh e- easy I would say eh, not not easy maybe about. 18 or 20 to 1 is the ratio of that to them actually sitting and consuming it. And it's 20 to 0 the time that they appreciate it. <laughs> and and how many times do you sit down to think about, you're going to go grocery shopping and think, I cannot st- stare down the barrel of another chicken, uh, pasta, whatever it is. How, how many times do you think, what is the point? I mean, there's only Every there's week. only about nine things that you could possibly Every make. Every week when you're and, making and the grocery list. And you're trying the rest to, of my days. And you're trying days. to figure out what, it, all right, what, what, what is it I'm going to make this week? I'm sick of that. I'm sick of that. I'm sick of that. And it's not even like I'm sick of that pasta dish. It's like I'm sick of pasta or I'm sick of this or I'm sick of that. So, um, yeah. Shall we get to viewer mail? <laughs> How about this? I had put in into Google just now as we were talking. I had put into Tom Cruise because I wanted to look up the movie that I was thinking of that has left my brain, and it autofilled dentures because I had Googled the denture gum. Well, so, you're going you're to be getting sticky ads for dentures uh, for the rest Mission of the Mission Impossible. That's what I was That's thinking what you're trying of. To think of. Yes. But as you said, let's get to viewer mail. Big bad hook, throw our lure, reel us in with your pure mail. Margie writes, hey, Steve and Rebecca, I'm a couple months behind with podcasts, so I don't know the outcome of the encyclopedias from Georgia. I think I'm refer- remembering it was Georgia. Um, I was offered a set of 1975 encyclopedias, and, and to my horror now, I didn't. Oh, Steve. It's unbelievable. It really is. But let's blame it. Maybe maybe we'll get you, um, once we get you on a steady dose of Blarf Tarvia, you'll start remembering well, these things. Well, Margie writes, if you're still in the market, we have a 1967 World Book set with yearbooks from 68 to 86 in Ellington, Connecticut. Sorry, I don't think these are gilt-edged. I do remember spending hours looking up various topics for school projects or just jumping in randomly to see what I could find. That's that's what I would be doing. Yes. Jumping in randomly. Take, take VA to VU off the shelf and and then read all about um, uh, the Vikings or something, right? Is that what you would do as a kid? Yes. Okay, same here. Uh, I'd be happy to throw them in the car and meet you someplace with them. Love them. Love to have them go to a good home. Well, that is the that is the difficulty with with uh, the World Book Encyclopedia. Uh, shipping costs would be monumental, mm-hmm. right? Yes. But uh, but if I could if I could meet somebody in a in in a parking lot somewhere near a dumpster, and <laughs> and uh, in a brown paper bag that could hand over seventeen pounds of the World Book Encyclopedia, I might be in the market for that. Why would it have to be near a dumpster? Well, I mean, it just the the illicit drug deal nature of the oh, okay. encyclopedia. Okay, because you wouldn't off. take the encyclopedias and throw them in the dumpster. No, 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 no. no. Oh, On the contrary, okay. I would I would be eager to to read them. Um, 1967. That's that's interesting. Uh, when you see like old encyclopedias, it's and these great historical events have not happened. So if you were to look in the W volume, there would be no Watergate. 1967. You know, mm, right? I find that interesting. So do I. Midge writes, and it's Midge the standard way. M I D G E. Midge writes, as I was listening to episode 148, I was struck by your pronunciation of the word E M E S I S, and now now. 
the, the header on this email is pronunciation of E-M-E-S-I-S, which if I remember, I was pronouncing it emesis. I believe so, yeah. It's a word I've never seen, never heard of. I didn't know what it was. Was this the kidney-shaped thing? Uh, probably, yeah. Okay. It's probably a Dr. Siegel medical thing. The correct pronunciation is M-A-S-I-S. She spells it out phonetically. Capital M-A-S-I-S. M-A-S-I-S? M-A-S-I-S? Presumably. And as you both surmise, is a basin to contain vomit, a.k.a. emesis. <laughs> so it's it's a vomit basin, right? Emesis. And what were we calling it? Emesis. So it's emesis. <laughs> and it is a, a vomit basin. <laughs> Do you think they have a lot of vomit basins when you wake up in... Uh, in a vomit basement? No. When you wake up, what did I say is the basement floor when we wake up these days is... Uh, the what? You know, when you're pulling yourself out of the dumps. Oh, yeah, you, yeah. When, when, when you're, you're in the dumps, you should You're using a grappling have, hook. Yes. You should, you should have a clean tethered to your side by another hook. See, I'm, I'm, basin. <laughs> I'm thinking of the vomit basin as something as a geographical uh, thing like the Mississippi Delta, you know? Yes. The vomit basin. That's sort of the um, the literal like portrayal of what the dumps is, figuratively. Amidge, our resident nurse practitioner, adds diehard batteries were advertised as being tested in International Falls, Minnesota, and most often these commercials were on during Wide World of Sports. That's that's probably where I remember them from yeah. as a diehard viewer of Wide World of Sports. And speaking of International Falls, uh, Sean and Diana write um, in an email header, headed an ode to International Falls and, more importantly, a Big Falls. So let's see what this is. Thank you for talking about International Falls, Minnesota. I've been there, and the reason allows me to tell you the story of an American hero. Major Robert L. Olson, a fellow Army officer, West Point classmate, golfing partner, and friend, was from Big Falls, Minnesota, located 39 miles southwest southwest of International Falls. He was the best of us, a caring, candid, and competent leader. He was promoted ahead of his peers because he deserved it. Tragically, Rob, along with five fellow soldiers, was killed in a helicopter crash on February 12, 2001. Many who knew him traveled to Minnesota in February, flying into Minneapolis and driving five hours to a hotel in International Falls, where we reminisced and honored Rob. The people who, of International Falls couldn't have been more hospitable. A local bar looked just like the bar that uh, Colin Frisell visited in the movie Love Actually. Do you remember that? Of that course, was the, yeah. That was, I think, it set in Wisconsin, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the next day, we made the 40-minute drive to Big Falls. The town was essentially closed because all 300 or so residents, each of whom knew or knew of Rob, attended the service held at the town hall, held at the town hall a building with a gym, town offices, and a bank. The late Minnesota Senator Paul Wellstone quietly attended. The service was powerful and memorable. At the cemetery, taps sounded above the wind and biting cold. Though our bodies were cold, our hearts were warmed by this incredible American town that honored the awesome leader, soldier, husband, father, and friend. So thanks again for mentioning International Falls. Sometimes a random good-natured comment about a diehard battery warms a heart in an unexpected way. Stay safe and healthy, Sean in New Hampshire. What a lovely email yeah, and story. Certainly he, so. I was thrown when he said Senator, the late Minnesota Senator Paul Wellstone quietly attended, but of course this was in 2001 when Senator Paul Wellstone was still among us. Mary writes, Dear Stephen Rebecca, as a longtime SI subscriber and fan of Steve's writing, has flashback last week to writing during the night in a hotel room with an impending deadline had me wondering 
What was the process after he submitted the article? Was he involved in any further editing? How much time was there between his deadline and the article going to print? Though I'm still a subscriber, I miss those days of finding a new SI in the mailbox every week. Thanks, Mary. Uh, Mary, the process was I would file for, say I was on the road Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday at a, at a baseball series. I would file for Sunday morning or Monday morning, depending on the importance of this series. And then I would fly home. I'd get on a plane and fly back to New York, usually in those days. And there would be messages waiting for me with editing questions. So yes, I was involved in the editing. You'd be, you'd be on the phone with a fact checker, which is what I did when I started at SI. I was a fact checker. And the, the magazine would close on Monday evening. And the earliest it would come out, would be on Wednesday. Uh, when I was in school in Milwaukee, I got the magazine on, on Wednesdays. When I was at home in Minnesota as a kid, I got the magazine on Thursdays, depending on where the printing plant was. And there was a printing plant in Wisconsin, which is why I got it a day earlier. Uh, the latest thing that SI ever got into those Wednesday magazines was uh, the men's NCAA basketball final, which always ended late night on Monday night and uh, would still be in people's mailboxes on Wednesday. It cost them a lot of money to hold the magazine open to, to get that in, um, but obviously it was worth it. And the writer, uh, oftentimes my friend Alex Wolf, would have to write basically two full stories, reported stories with interviews and everything about the two teams in the finals, and one of which would be scrapped, more or less, and the other one would, you know, you'd, you'd have the game action on top and usually the bottom with reactions and stuff. And uh, Mary adds a PS. Uh, PS, I grew up in Decatur, Illinois, and detasseled corn as a teenager for a summer or two. My own kids never got very far when they tried to complain about their summer jobs in an air-conditioned restaurant or a store. Nope, mom had it tougher. Well, you can attest to that as a, a tobacco farmer, Rebecca. Yeah. As we're recording this, I just got an email that Mississippi State has pulled out of the tournament at the Mohegan. Um, so... I know now that I'm not calling UConn and I'm not calling Mississippi State on Sunday. So there's just like 300 other possibilities of teams I may be calling. Uh, Allison with one L writes, Dear Rebecca and Steve, I discovered your podcast almost a year ago and have been catching up on all the sessions since. Every time I listen, I say to myself, I need to write to them, but I've obviously yet to do it. So now, finally, here's a mishmash of reasons why I have thought to write to you. So this is a new listener, Rebecca. Uh, going way back, starting uh, from day one, with some observations on on our our journey thus far. Okay. Would you like to hear some of them? Yes. One, not sure what podcast it was, but at one point you were discussing pork loin or pork groin, as I believe your daughter called it. I have a great recipe for it. Super simple. See below. And attached is the recipe for pork groin. <laughs> okay, make but sure perhaps you, that you forward, could, forward that to me, that Perhaps please. that could be um, our, our Thanksgiving meal. Two, we never leave a, a game until it's over. We're big basketball fans, especially UConn, since my husband and I both graduated. This lesson was learned after the Elite Eight game for the UConn women in Albany, where we stayed so long that we ran into you, Rebecca, walking out. See attached picture. You made my daughter's year. And there is indeed a picture attached. You are in an electric blue North Face jacket, Rebecca. Yes. And uh, look at this. Oh, I remember that because I was um, going back to get in the car to return here because the next day, I think, I had to be in, in studio doing stuff. But I, I, I remember meeting her. Yep, right oh, outside. Adorable little girl. And yeah, you she in is. your uh, in, a, in a winter coat. 
Three, we too have a rescue pup, and I always have the dilemma of walking with the poop bag and waving to courteous drivers who move over to give us room while walking on narrow back roads. We do not do an out and back, but instead a large loop so I can never leave the back for pickup. I can never leave the bag for pickup. We made him an Instagram page since I didn't want to bombard my friends with pictures of him at eddie.d.hound. Oh, that's Eddie DeHound? That's, that's, <laughs> do you know Eddie DeHound? I, I do just because um, a couple months ago, I got a, a message on Instagram saying, would you be willing to follow Eddie the Hound? And I do. I follow Eddie on Instagram. I don't follow many people or canines? dogs. I fo- I actually follow two canines. I, I follow Eddie DeHound and I follow Jonathan the Husky, the Yukon mascot, JTH. because... Our youngest daughter likes to look at pictures of him. Well, now you know. Now you know a little more about Eddie the Hound. Four, can I please apply to be your resident math teacher? That was the main reason I wanted to write when quarantine started in March. I'm an elementary math coach. I can only imagine what you're envisioning when I call myself a coach. No clipboard or whistle. Listening to you discuss your fourth graders' work with fractions was music to my ears. Well, God knows we could use a resident math coach. For sure. Uh, probably resident in, in our home, but uh, we'll definitely take it a resident for the podcast. The list could go on, writes Allison with one L. Uh, but I won't bore you with more than I already have. I often tell my husband how similar our life seems to yours, and his reply is always, um, not really, neither one of us is a Hall of Fame basketball player or a published author. Well, uh, But maybe they, too, are, are staring into the abyss of socks and waking up in the dumps and uh, a variety of other things that you yeah, don't yeah, have to yeah. be in the Hall of Fame to Boy, do. <laughs> but what an enviable life. Maybe, maybe you, too, could be a down-in-the-dumps author. <laughs> <laughs> or a or a pork groin uh, baker <laughs> baking basketball hall of famer, but I feel comforted knowing that others are going through similar trials and tribulations during these crazy times. We're not puzzlers, so never lost a piece, but we always seem to lose pieces to board games, which we have played our share of the past few months. Be safe, be well, stay safe, and some swag, and send some swag our way in Lower Connecticut, Alice in in CT, and then attached. Not only is that photo, but a recipe for pork groin that ends with serve over a bed of white rice. I'll pass this along, Rebecca, because it looks good. Thank you. Okay, we've got to get out of here. You've got a Zoom, and I've got a uh, pick up my son at school for a dentist appointment. Our son. Let's call him our son for okay. a dental appointment. So um, so we conclude, with, uh, as ever, with uh, Dr. Gary Siegel, who writes, Doctor, Doctor, Dear Rebecca and Steve, I hope that this email finds you well during the holiday season within the context of COVID-19, the pandemic. I type as the house smells of freshly prepared cornbread and stuffing for Thanksgiving, which is indeed a testament to Mrs. Dr. Siegel's culinary expertise. Mm. During cooking, when she was reading recipes and calculating how much of a particular liquid ingredient to add when doubling a recipe, she used her phone for both the internet and a calculator. Don't we all remember the days in which the reference source was the cookbook page listing how many teaspoons were in an ounce? And the chef, armed with the cookbook, pencil, paper, and basic math knowledge, would figure it out in a more analog fashion. By the way, that last sentence contained the requisite Oxford comma that we all know and love. We do, were doing this yesterday. Our son was making hot cocoa, and it required two teaspoons, right? Yes. And then, he, but he also had to be made him make one for his sister, so it really required four teaspoons. Yep. And I, he and I had no idea how to calculate teaspoons. Is that a regular spoon? I think it was tablespoons. Well, then it was tablespoons. Then you pulled out a a measuring device that was. Two tablespoons. Yeah, it's uh, and and you don't typically have a two tablespoon measuring device, but but, you um, but I did because I got it at the Starbucks, the original Starbucks out in Seattle, because um, it's perfect for scooping coffee grinds. Rebecca writes, Doctor Siegel, please accept my apology for my inelegant description in my last note regarding your performance at the touchscreen. I have no <laughs> doubt that you are among the most tech savvy smartest and coolest sports analysts around. Indeed, John King, Steve Kornacki, and other political analysts should be worried that not only could you match them on the touchscreen, but that you could easily beat them 
in a game of one-on-one. <laughs> Do you think you could beat... I don't know about John King. You don't think you could beat John King in a game well, of one-on-one? Well, I think you probably could. Well, at this stage of your career, I don't know. Because he's a... I, I, I sat next to him at Madison Square Garden once. I don't know if we talked about this in a previous uh, podcast, but uh, he was—he seemed like he was a, a pretty big guy, if I remember correctly. We were sitting down. I mean, you have no idea that this is the case, but that's a ridiculously sexist, sexist thing to say because he's a big guy. No, 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 He no, can beat no, me at no, one-on-one. No, he no, can no, be no, a big no, guy no, who, has, no, no. who has never played basketball ever. Like, well, what are you course. talking about? Your, your knees, they're shot. So I could still make a fifteen-foot jump shot. You think? What he maybe he can't even dribble. But, but, but if you miss, so how is he going to beat you miss, me? If you miss, he could run after one? it. If you miss, he could run after it and, and get an easy I'm layup. I'm still mobile. I might not be quick to get my rebound, but I'm not in a chair. Yeah, but I'm as not mobile, using a walker as mobile yet. as John King, I think. I think. Yes, I think I may be more mobile than John King, and I would almost guarantee you I am more skilled on a basketball court, not with the touchscreen, but on an actual basketball court than John King. Well, there's only one way to find out, and and I think Kornacki, frankly, would would probably only. The only way to find out, we better get our our common friend Adam Silver to uh, match make a one on one between. I think not a match make, match a one on one game, and then and then and then. <laughs> and if it's a tie, you go to the touchscreen to dis- to settle the. Uh... Or either way, you go to the touchscreen to break it all down. Yeah, yeah, that was that was yes. You were you were working a New York Liberty game at Madison Square Garden as a as a reporter, not as a player, and I was seated with our eldest daughter, mm-hmm. uh, with John King, and his daughter, and um, and Adam Horowitz of the Beastie Boys, and and his wife. Our daughter she was, like, was an infant, wasn't she? Was she? Young. she was like in a baby she Bjorn. Was young, but uh, but anyway, I was uh, I was impressed. Early in the last podcast, writes Doctor Siegel, Rebecca, you marveled at the seventh grade boy who was outgoing, and marveled especially as to how he was quite direct when speaking with others. What's your name? Whose brother are you? Do I know you? You lamented that as adults we can't be so direct without giving away trade secrets or getting too detailed on this family podcast. Trust me. That went out in the community. I've run into patients, and from time to time, can't seem to recall their names immediately. I'm always grateful when the woman says. And I'm paraphrasing, hi, Dr. Siegel, it's Steve and Rebecca Russian. That helps me remember my, any connections. Hey, Rebecca, how are the four children doing? And so forth. I will do that on occasion because you see, run into people I- I out of context. And you, you know, if yes. you just say your name, then they're not left hanging. Right. And I appreciate Especially that when people do that Especially now when me. people are masked and you don't recognize them nearly as easily as you normally would. That's correct. And actually, uh, we were at a UConn game last year year maybe and and sue bird walked past walked past me you were working i think and 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 because she's hearing a lot of people calling her name i said hey sue steve russian as she walked by and she took that as kind of absurd and she, and she shook my hand and said oh well, hello steve good to meet you or whatever you know <laughs> like like why are you being you know formally but because because that's it's a count it's a courtesy it's right. a courtesy uh, Dr. Siegel agrees. Lastly, the above paragraph leads me to a short story about chance encounters with others. My son, age 10 at the time, and I were at a Braves baseball game getting food. I put him in the pizza line and gave him money and instructions as to where to meet after I went into another food line that was across the concourse. We've all been there. Two well-kempt 20-something women over, overheard us and kindly offered to keep an eye on him. When we met up after purchasing food, I thanked the women, to which one replied, you're welcome. Hey, I think that you're my gynecologist. <laughs> All the best, Gary. And on that note, Tom Dick Hari. Thank you, Denny. Dr. Siegel with a mic drop. Play us out. 
Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pad live in this cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts sanity to a daily test. Androgynous and vigorous, well, we give for a little rest. Stay by day just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.